We've now come to the end of the Sermon of the Mount series, and Jesus ends his sermon with a final message of clarity. And this is a very timely message because what usually happens in times of uncertainty, uh, in times of stress and suffering, what usually happens to us is that we begin to see the world with greater clarity. What usually happens is that we begin to see with greater clarity what is most important in our lives and what's not so important. We begin to see with greater clarity all the things that matter to life and matter to death. All the things that we were preoccupied were matters of really grey matters, they kind of fall away and we get refocused on things that are clearly black and white. See, suffering and stress is like going to visit the optometrist. Suffering and stress is, can help you see more clearly. And Jesus ends his sermon with a message of clarity. So all the things that are going on right now in your life today can be of service to you to help you see things perhaps more clearly now. So perhaps for the first time, as we look at Jesus' words here today, it might begin to resonate with you. It might begin to make sense for you. It might begin to be more clear to you. And that's actually a really good thing, because as Jesus speaks clearly about the nature of our lives, he also speaks very clearly about the real hope that we can have in our current situation. And Jesus says there are really two ways to live in this world. There's no middle ground, there's no gray areas. It's clear as day and night. It is clear as black and white. And in this passage, Jesus says, firstly, there are two paths in life. Secondly, he says, there are two kinds of fruitfulness that you can have in your life. And thirdly, he says, there are two ways that you can build your life. So firstly, the two paths in life. Jesus says in verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus says that there are two paths that we can go down in life. It's either the broad road and the broad gate, and that leads to destruction, or the narrow gate and the narrow road, and that leads to life. And the word broad means spaciousness. And the word narrow means cramped or squashed. And I think that totally resonates with our experience right now because this week, Amy and I, we'd be be crying out and saying, can we have a bigger backyard? Wouldn't it be nice to have an extra room? We're craving for more space. And so our external desire for more space really resonates with our internal desire for freedom. We want more space. We want more freedom. But Jesus speaks with, speaks with a great paradox here, doesn't he? Because what he's actually saying is that what looks spacious, what looks very freeing, actually leads to a suffocating, deadly narrowness. And the things that superficially looks very narrow looks incredibly cramped, well, that leads to spaciousness. That leads to fullness and freedom in life. And even though it would seem like a paradox, even though the last thing in the world 
for us to be caught is narrow, we celebrate broad thinking and we frown upon being narrow-minded, but we can actually see that Jesus speaks a lot of truth here. It can actually make a lot of sense. We actually do see this paradox worked out in our lives because narrow means having a single focus, being fully committed. And anyone who wants to accomplish anything in life knows that the narrow path is the way to fullness. So, for example, if you want to be a doctor, it means an awful lot of hours of study, nothing but study for years upon years upon years, and so you become absolutely narrow. In other words, you become absolutely focused and committed. You want to be a world-class musician? Well, you better give it eight to ten hours a day of practice. That's narrowness. But it's the only way to the fullness and freedom of a great performance. And that's the way it's always been. And Jesus says, in spiritual things, you have to do the same. In the area of the most important, our relationship with God, our soul's prosperity, it's the same. Jesus is saying, only when you are fully committed, fully focused on Jesus, and only Jesus, will you truly find fullness of life. Again, that might feel and sound very narrow. We generally tend to like to think more broadly that all religions all lead to God. But Jesus is saying the truth is the narrow path leads to broadness and the broad path leads to narrowness. Because all other religions, they say it's only the good. It's only the morally superior It's only the enlightened get to get to go to heaven. All other religions are actually very exclusive. It's actually very narrow because only the moral and the spiritually elite, well, they get to be with God. But Jesus actually offers us the broadest invitation to be with God. He is actually the most inclusive because Jesus allows the weakest to come to God because only Jesus is the one who claims to be God, but also comes to die for people's sins, so that by his forgiveness, he allows the weak, the morally inferior, the worst people, not just the good people, all of them people get to go to God. And Jesus asks you to be completely committed to following him, and it's hard and it's narrow, it requires total commitment but it leads to eternal life, freedom and fullness in life. And anyone, no matter what you have done, anyone can come and follow Jesus and have life to the full. And that's the first point. The second thing that Jesus clarifies for us is that the broad and narrow path will bear different kinds of fruit in our lives. So Jesus says in verse 15, "'Watch out for false prophets.'" They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus says there are actually a lot of spiritual teachers out there who will try to guide you to the path of life, but some of them are self-deceived. Some of them are counterfeit. Jesus says there are many ways to God presented to us, but you can't trust them all. But Jesus says there is a way to figure out who you can trust and who not to trust. 
Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By the fruit of their lives, by their attitudes, by their actions, by their behaviors, by their demeanor, by the quality of their relationships, you'll be able to tell if they are true followers and teachers of Jesus. Because true followers, they will bear good fruit, whereas counterfeit followers, they will bear bad fruit. So how can we tell the difference between good fruit and bad fruit? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us from verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying that good fruit comes from doing the will of his heavenly Father. Jesus is bringing clarity to say that you can have the right beliefs about God. You might actually be also active in serving God, in similar ways as those who prophesied in Jesus' names, those who drove out demons in Jesus' names. But on the last day, Jesus could say to you, I never knew you. And you're like, wow, what? How could that be? So you can profess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. You can serve God. You can go to church. You can do all sorts of good things for God. But you could do all of that and not really want God, not really want to follow God. Because if you really want God, then you have to give up your will to do the Father's will. You could want to believe in God. You could want to be useful for God, but you could still be afraid to completely surrender your will to God's will, to surrender your relationships to surrender your career, to surrender your wealth, to surrender your all to God. You see, what makes a Christian real and authentic is not their theology, their beliefs necessarily, not even their church attendance or involvement. Yes, it does include those things, but it comes down, a true Christian surrenders his will to God. And Don Carson in his conference commentary says it straight the father's will is not simply admired discussed praised or discussed or debated it's done that is what makes the narrow path so hard and costly it's saying to God not my will but your will be done at my cost for your glory and Jesus goes on to says to live your own will living versus living for God's will They are the two ways that you can build your life. Jesus says from verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on that rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And so both the wise and the foolish are house builders. And the house are metaphors for our lives. We are all building a house. And the externals of both these houses, they look great. They both look beautiful. What's the difference? Well, the difference is at the hidden level of the foundation. The wise man builds on the rock and the foolish man builds on the sand. Amy and I love watching uh, grand designs 
And through the different episodes of Grand Designs, we learned that the most critical, the most complex, the most costly aspect of these home projects is most often the groundwork. It's the part of the project that requires your most attention, your most commitment to get it right because at the foundation, that will determine whether a house will stand or whether a house will fall apart. But the thing is that you can only spot a faulty foundation when the storm comes. It's the flood that reveals the quality of the foundation. Jesus is saying that is a metaphor of your life. If you don't have a strong foundation, then your life will crumble to pieces. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, if the storm comes. Jesus says, when the storm comes. And so we're going to face the storms of life. The pandemic, the sickness, the redundancy, the death of a loved one, estranged relationships, the stock market crashing, your friends might betray you. If you face these storms and if you placed your hope and identity on the house of your circumstances, like your finances, like your career, like your relationships or your reputation, if you place all your hope and identity on your house and your house gets washed away, then your life will fall apart. Your life becomes like shifting sand. You'd be asking, who am I? Where do I go from here? But if your hope and identity is built on Jesus, your God, who is unchanging, who is secure, it doesn't make the storm of life easy, but the bedrock of your identity, of your hope, remains secure. So where is your foundation? Money. Well, that's sand. Health. Well, that's sand. Career. That's sand. Money, wealth, relationship, health, whatever it is, it can all be taken away. We need a solid foundation to keep us standing up in all the troubles that we will face in life. Not to get us out of the storm, but to get us through the storm. So how do we build our house on Christ, our solid rock? Well, Jesus tells us it's not the difference in hearing but in doing. It's not just hearing God's word, but it's the practice of doing God's word, of faith and obedience. A genuine faith will always follow with obedience. And now this is a call to action in a culture that is so used to hearing things and not doing anything. This is a call to action if you've been sitting in church for years because familiarity breeds apathy. You've heard a lot of sermons, and Jesus says, it's not the sermon count that counts. You have to do something with it. We've received some great teaching from Jesus over the last 10 weeks. We've had great teaching on anger. We've had great teaching on lust. We've had great teaching on forgiveness, prayer, hypocrisy, treasures, worry, judging. We've had amazing teaching from Jesus. Have you just been sitting there and just hearing it? Or have you put it into practice to build your life on Christ and bear fruit? 
This is who Jesus calls us to be, to be salt and light, to live in this world as salt and light with a motto, your kingdom come, your will be done. As we obey the Father's will, to build our life on Christ, our solid rock, to stand through the storms of life and to bear much fruit. That is the fullness of the narrow path. Have you been on cruise control and something in your life has jolted you to a clear and immediate action? I had a friend who loved to be in the dance scene. He was the most happy-go-lucky guy that I've ever known and he had been taking recreational drugs ever since high school until one night he left a dance party in an ambulance. That one night jolted him to take clear and an immediate action to go to rehab and get himself clean. In university, I was on cruise control. My head was in girls and not in the books until one afternoon, news got out about the plane crashing into the Twin Towers. Immediately, I was jolted to think about my life and ask what was my meaning and purpose in this world. And immediately, I took the offer of a Christian friend to learn more about Jesus. And soon after, I accepted and received the gift of forgiveness and eternal life and committed myself to following Jesus. Has your life been on cruise control until now? And now that you've perhaps been jolted by this pandemic, or by something that is happening to your life right now, and there's all the things that you had put your hopes and identity in, perhaps your relationships, perhaps your career, perhaps it's your wealth, do they feel like sand now, just falling through your fingers? Jesus' words for you today is to jolt you out of cruise control. And he does it in love because no one cruises and drifts into the narrow path. It takes full commitment. It takes full surrender because Jesus welcomes anyone to follow him and he forgives anyone who would put their trust in him and he gives anyone a second chance in life. And so, friends, don't hear his words and do nothing. But be like the wise man that hears his words and puts them into practice. Take a clear and immediate action to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Because it's the difference between standing firm in the storms or falling apart. It's the difference between life or destruction. And so now is the time to commit your life to Jesus and to have life to the full. And all you have to do is ask God. All you have to do is ask God for the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, and it's yours today. You simply need to do three things. Profess, confess, and follow. Profess, confess, and follow. First, profess that Jesus is God. Second, confess that you have lived your life your own way in sin and you need Jesus' forgiveness. And follow. God 
help me to follow God, to surrender my life in joyful obedience. If you would like to receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness today, if you want to take clear and immediate action today, then just repeat a prayer that I'm going to pray of those three things, profess, confess, and follow. And right now, in your home, as you pray each line that I'm going to pray and lead you in, you can begin your life with Jesus. So I invite you to follow Jesus. Pray with me. Pray after me as I lead us in this prayer. My Father in heaven, I profess that Jesus is the one and only God. I confess that I have lived life my own way in sin. Please forgive me. Help me to surrender my life to live for your will in joyful obedience. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we are just so thankful. We're just so joyful that you have welcomed into God's family and God's kingdom. Please tell your friend who's invited you to church today. Please contact us through our website. We'll love to get you connected into our church community so that we can do life together, so that we can help you grow spiritually. If you still have more questions about Jesus, if you're curious about the Christian faith, then try Alpha online with us. Alpha is for anyone and everyone to explore life, faith, and the person of Jesus.